the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. Our podcast is here to help teachers, leaders and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. Welcome back to our special edition of Connects Academy's After the Bell podcast, marking the culmination of 2023 and our annual reflection. We're going to take a look back on education and its changes in 2023. I'm joined by Andy Bridge, a current Deputy Principal, and Lorna Bradford, Connects Education's Head of Quality Assurance and Impact. So we're going to start this opportunity to reflect back through the educational landscape of the past year. It's great to have you both with us today. Hi, Andy. Hi, Lorna. Hi, Georgie. Thank you. Hello, Georgie. Hi, guys. So let's start with, I think, a significant issue that the schools um, that we've been talking about through 2023 is pupil attendance. So, um, Lorna, do you want to start by kind of, you know, sharing some things around this? Yeah, thank you, Georgie. Um, I think we would struggle to find a school across the country at the moment who wouldn't list attendance as one of their big issues from 2023. And actually, one head teacher said to me just last week that their school really feel that they've nailed their teaching and learning approach now and they have an amazing staff body, but they're really struggling to get students in to actually feel the benefit from it. Um, And and national figures are suggesting that more than 20% of pupils this year have been classified as persistent absentees, which, of course, means that they've missed more than 10% of their school time. This has really been a major issue throughout 2023. Andy, would you agree? Absolutely. I, I don't think there are many schools, well, very, very few that have got their attendance back to where it was pre COVID. Um, and I think for, for me, you know, experience working in schools, talking to the school leaders, reading publications and research, it's a really difficult, challenging issue because there doesn't seem to be one straightforward solution. You know, it's it's mental health, it's anxiety, it's bad habits, it's complex needs, it's um, a lack of routine. It is a whole range of different things, different circumstances, different challenges, and therefore it's really difficult to Kind of put in place one solution that works it's a really really complex difficult situation that schools are facing and it, it's one of those problems that um you have to work incredibly hard to make those percentage numbers increase that tiny bit and at the same time you manage to get some successes with one pupil another student's attendance then drops so it's really really challenging time for schools to to improve their attendance and would we say that this is a hangover from the pandemic, um, you know, or, or is it just, a, you know, endemic of the current climate? Yes, Lorna. I would say there's definitely hangover links from the pandemic here, Georgie. Um, and I think it's especially prevalent in the cohort of students who um, are suffering with mental health concerns, but also SEND needs. And for those young people, the double whammy, the, the cumulative effect of the challenges that they're facing in their personal circumstances makes attending school really hard. And the whole lockdown situation just 
rocked that you know so significantly um i think there has been in places a parental attitude shift as well about the value of school and that sort of social contract between school and home has been damaged um I think that, you know, this is going to continue to rumble on uh, for the foreseeable future, at least. OK, thank you so much for that. And uh, let's watch this space for next year. So the other sort of prevalent issue that we're hearing more and more about is around mental health and well-being. And so alongside the issue of pupil mental health, schools this year have really had to prioritise and up their game regarding staff well-being too that this has been on the agenda for many years now but with stress levels and workloads known to be incredibly high amongst the education community so andy what what what's the situation on the ground for you i think you've you've summarized it really well there and, and the the challenge in school is that we therefore have to um you know schools have a lot of staff that are deciding that they no longer want to teach because they can find employment in positions that are less stressful, cause them less anxiety, have um, a less significant workload. At the same time that we know there's a um, a recruitment crisis, which I think we'll come on to talk about later. So the two of them together with not being able to recruit enough teachers to come in and more and more teachers wanting to leave because they're not enjoying it or they're not feeling supported or they're not feeling their well-being is valued, means we're literally approaching a staffing crisis in schools and there will not be enough bodies in classrooms or fulfilling the support roles that we need for schools to function well. So it's a, a massive problem. Um, no, but no parent likes to think that their child is being taught by a supply teacher or an unqualified teacher or a non-specialist teacher. But increasingly, I think that is the um, situation a lot of schools will find themselves in. Unless there is something quite drastic done to make teaching more appealing, more attractive, um, and have that long longevity where people feel they can stay in that career um, without damaging the mental health. And of course, when we add into the mix there, the negative press that we see all too often around the pressure of Ofsted inspections and some of the really high media um, profile that that's getting, um, it's, it's difficult to attract the right professionals in the first place. And of course, we were all incredibly shocked and deeply saddened by the death of head teacher Ruth Perry in January of 2023, following her school's Ofsted inspection. Um, and I, I think, you know, that that will just further exacerbate the, the challenge for schools to find the right people. And then when they do, to support them and, and keep them in in role. Um, and of course, you know, we have got new additions this year to the to the table, including the senior mental health lead program, um, which has been fairly well um, uh, accepted by the education community, which has now also gone into the second phase of funding um, whereby schools can um, train up an, a second member of staff if that first leader has um, left to move on to another role. That, I think, shows commitment to the importance of mental health in schools. But the question is, is it enough and, and does it bridge all of the gaps that are, are currently in place? Yeah, again, I think it's something, Lorna, that we, we will continue to see bubbling along and let's hope that there's further support and initiative for everybody who's struggling out there at the moment. Um, and we'll we'll talk about sort of the uh, Ofsted sort of focus for next year um, when we when we meet again in the new year. 
Another enormous and actually unexpected problem that surfaced with some schools in September this year was when they were advised by the DfE that some or all of their school buildings were unsafe for use owing to the presence of RAAC, reinforced autoclaved aerated concrete, which you know, you you think that you've got everything covered and you're ready to get started for the, the term. And uh, no one could have anticipated that this was going to come out of the blue. Lorna, what, what were your thoughts and, and conversations around that? I mean, I just can't imagine being a school leader, getting that phone call or even seeing it on the news and, and waiting to see if it was going to be you who was impacted so so late on in the day. Um, it, it was a shocker, wasn't it? And I think, you know, the 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 fact that it was already well known about um, but hadn't been addressed properly by the DfE and Secretary of State Gillian Keegan was was a real um a real shock for the education community. Now, that's not to say that it's the current DfE's uh, or Gillian Keegan's um, fault, but it was their responsibility to fix it. You know, it wasn't something that they personally did. This has been rumbling on for, for decades, but um, they they had a, a duty of care to all of the schools in the, in the country who were affected to make sure it was um, rectified properly. And I, I think the feeling was that that was not handled well. Now, thankfully, it was less than one percent of all schools, I believe, who were impacted by it. But for those who were, what an enormous shock. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say there, thankfully, it was only, as you said, one percent of schools. But um, the, the rack to me is one example of issues schools are going to face with their estates because for 10, 15 years, the funding that's gone into school estates and buildings hasn't been sufficient. Um, so, you know, it's less than 1% have got a problem with rack, but there are many, many schools that have got leaking roofs, broken windows, leaking windows, damp, um, asbestos still in them. That You know, the, the school estate is in, it's in a bad way. Um, and I haven't yet seen... Um, proposals from any political party really about plans for the future that are going to invest the amount of capital needed to really address that over the next 10 years so for me that is um rack didn't turn out to be as widespread a crisis as it might have been but we've got a pipeline of real problems that are facing the school estate in in the coming years yeah, I think it's another watch this space, Andy, isn't it? I think it's, uh, again, something that's going to play out further and it may be something slightly different next year. But let's hope that they can give schools more notice than the uh, situation that occurred this summer. We, we couldn't not have this podcast without talking about the recruitment and retention challenges in schools. The start of 2023 saw widespread disruption to school life as members of the main teaching unions balloted teachers for strike action. Thankfully, that came to an end in July with a 6.5% pay rise was accepted. So whilst that's largely accepted as a positive step forward, what some people may not have recognised is that the pay rise was not paid for entirely by the DfE. And it's, again, something that schools have had to find further struggling, further funding there. So, Andy, what was your experiences with this? I think, it, you know, it's a, a constant challenge that schools are facing to make their budget stretch to all of the demands. And as well as pay rises, there are national insurance increases, pension contribution increases. It's a, um, 
you know, just general gas, electric, the cost of living, all of those things, when you're working on a school site that are, is as large and complex as many of them are, those things cost a huge amount of money and is incredibly challenging to um, provide the education that you want and do all of the things that you want to spend money on so the students have got all the best opportunities whilst you're trying to cover all of those things and your money's not quite stretching. So it is really, really tough. Um, you know, we had all that disruption of the strikes. Eventually that 6.5% was agreed, but when we're now in that process again, we're in a new school year. Um, the teachers pay body are looking at their terms of reference for the coming year. And it feels to me as though we could well end up being in a similar position in this year with more disruption, schools struggling, um, the DFE not wanting to put the funding in to cover the cost of things. So I think it is going to be another turbulent 12 months in terms of school funding um, and the impact that that has on recruitment and retention. Absolutely. And actually, I believe it's still the case to date that some unions continue to ask their members to work to rule, mm. um, which is having, of course, a big impact on all parts of school life um, and is minimising the amount of um, uh, additional work that the teachers can do. So increasing the, the requirements for cover, for supply teaching, um, reducing the um, extracurricular activities and enrichment programmes for young people. So from a school community perspective, this is still having a massive impact. And I just wonder, as I reflect on, on the turbulence of, of this period, what impact that will have had on families' um, trust in schools and teachers. Um, you know, if you look at the way that it was portrayed by the media in, in some pockets, um, that really wasn't useful to, to strengthen school and home community relationships. So we'll have to see if that actually changes anything now moving forward. Yeah, 100% Lorna. And now we're going to start talking about tuition and the ongoing education recovery. And I know this is something that sits at the heart of one of your roles with uh, within Connects Education, Lorna. Do you want to start by sharing some thoughts on this? Yeah, thank you, Georgie. I think it's been another really successful year um, for tuition. Um, we've seen lots and lots of schools successfully continuing to use one-to-one -one and small group tuition to really bolster pupils' learning uh, following the wake of the, the pandemic. And it was really reassuring to see that the Education Endowment Foundation further commented this year on the success and impact of using skilled tutors to help close that attainment gap that has been and continues to grow and the NTP is is really the gift that keeps on giving as cheesy as that sounds um, because it's still the case that schools can access subsidised high quality tuition to help support those young people who have been identified as needing that intervention to help um, accelerate their progress. We've seen lots of really positive impact stories from both primary and secondary schools this year. Many are continuing uh, their tuition for the foreseeable future. Uh, they really have got some great relationships with tutors who've been working in their schools now for, for three years or more, actually. Um, and they, they've become part of their school fabric, which is brilliant. Um, and, and what really has been a gear shift is that the, the landscape has now changed. And I think it's changed um, for the better and changed for, for good in that tuition was only typically for wealthy families who could afford private tutors in their leafy lane suburban homes to, to support their children. 
but now it's part of the mainstream offer and I think that has to be celebrated as being an achievement that that you know has been welcomed by many. And Ben, what's your experience from the, the tuition side? Uh, absolutely I would agree um, it has tuition is now much more accessible um, to families that previously wouldn't have been able to engage with that offer because of programs like the NTP um, but I think it you know we're, we're kind of coming towards the end of that program it would seem now but the the impact of the pandemic is going to be felt for many more years to come so I think it is a shame that that funding looks as though it does seem to be coming to an end um, and the programme is unlikely to continue in its current form because we've seen the good work that can come of it um, but there are many many students that would still benefit from that support over the coming years so I think it's going to be um, you know it would be a shame if if that work kind of just drops off in schools next year and tuition doesn't become an embedded part of the school ecosystem. I think it's been the first opportunity that truly to see that kind of one-to-one -one engagement with the tutors truly embedded in schools and it, it really is becoming established so if anyone is listening watch this space and see if we can get some more funding for this really really important initiative because I think it is highly highly valued particularly by schools that are, are engaging with it. And then we're going to move on to a lighter note. So Lorna, do you want to share about the National Education Nature Park for us? I'd love to, Georgie. Thank you. Um, it's been a really exciting year for the National Education Nature Park, which I appreciate is still in its infancy. But I really want to highlight this uh, for, for listeners of our podcast, because our National Education Nature Park now occupies a total of 60,000 square metres across 472 sites in England. So if you haven't heard of it, the National Education Nature Park is designed to give children and young people the opportunity to lead the way in mapping, monitoring, monitoring and enhancing their spaces for nature. So every school in England can join the virtual nature park and then they can access a huge array of resources for free to learn about nature and sustainability. And every school that joins the National Education Nature Park is then added to an online map, which is regularly updated to show the growth of the nature park. Um, it's a really exciting and innovative concept every school has some form of outdoor space every school can make something of their um, immediate surroundings to enhance young people's access to nature and i think with sustainability climate change environmental education being such a priority for schools at the moment this is a really exciting and innovative concept looking forward to seeing how this this pans out further as well so Andy yeah I, I think it sounds great I've, I'd be honest I've never heard of it it's literally the first time that I've come across it and it's definitely something that I will be looking into and looking to see if my um, school can get involved in because I think it sounds brilliant yeah so clearly there's some more sort of marketing needed and promotion around around the event so we'll get behind this and uh, share some more in in future podcasts that would be great yeah I think schools are um, keen and students are certainly keen to look at sustainability and how they can um, help plan for a better future so I think it you know if, if it becomes more widely known than it currently is then there would probably be a, a, an awful lot of interest in it. Wonderful so we're going to sort of touch we've touched on the squeeze on school budgets in 2023 but the problem really doesn't stop 
there. We, we're all aware of the cost of living crisis that's been a living nightmare for some families supporting their children and young people in accessing school. A report from the Child Poverty Action Group published in May this year highlighted that on average it costs families £865 per year to send a child to primary school and £1,755 to send a child to secondary school as well. So that equates to over £18,000 for a child to attend primary, secondary school. And it raises so many questions. I mean, Lorna, Lorna what, what are your thoughts on here? Well, when you break it down, you, you just find it staggering. But of course, sending a child to school isn't free. You know, we've got expected uniforms to pay for, meals, trips, the um, stationery, the equipment, uh, the food technology resources, the um, costumes for the productions, you know, especially at this time of year, Christmas, there's always a letter going home asking for schools to pay for something. And yes, some schools are phenomenal at supporting families and do absorb some of the costs themselves. But from what budget? You know, we already know that schools are squeezed at both ends. So, you know, families may be saying, why do I have to pay for this? Why can't schools pay for this themselves? But simply put, there isn't the money for, for luxuries. Um, not that, of course, a uniform or a meal would be considered a luxury, but it's those added um, on costs that, that really build up over a child's school um, career. Um, I know that most schools do have some sort of um, support fund available and, and in some places there are PTAs or um, friends of school groups who will always strive to support but it's just really hard to make ends meet at the moment. Um, I know that at Connects Education Partnership um, we're absolutely committed to ensuring that young people start the day with a full tummy to help them learn better so through our Magic Breakfast campaign, um, we're aiming to fund one million breakfasts through breakfast clubs for, for students across the country um, through various sponsored projects and, and donations, which is a brilliant initiative and we're all absolutely behind it. But it's indicative of the situation, isn't it, in, in communities across the country at the moment? It's staggering. It is staggering to think that there are kids going to school hungry and then that we know the impact and the science behind that around how that impacts their ability to learn. And that could also be the main quality meal that they have in the day. So I'm very proud that Connects Education are getting behind the Magic, Magic Breakfast campaign. Andy, what's your experiences here? Very, very similar to what Lorna said. Um, there are many families feeling the squeeze and schools doing what they can to help with that but with a very finite pot of money so there's a lot of schools doing very sensible things like changing their uniform requirements to make school uniform less of a significant expense um for families you know a lot of schools are doing away with as many branded items so families can get them from supermarkets or um cheaper alternatives so i think you know schools are thinking very sensibly about what it is they are asking of parents but even with that taken into account it is still too much for some families to find. I totally agree. I think it is it's still a step too far when they're struggling to put food on the table at the same time. So and finally, there's been so much press around artificial intelligence in education and it it continues to be a massive debate. Lorna, what what do you think about where are we going with artificial intelligence? 
Well, I think it's fair to say that AI is here to stay. Um, it's certainly divided opinion in 2023 and there's been as many pros as cons laid out on the table. Um, you know, it, it does have massive potential to reduce teacher workload and it's really important that our pupils understand how to harness its potential going forward. They're going to be the ones who are employed in the world of AI. We have a duty to make sure they understand it and, and know how to use it for their benefit. There's a certain argument there for, for progress and what we wouldn't want to be is lagging in the development of AI nationally. And if other countries are really embedding this into their education framework, then and so should we. But of course, on the other hand, on the downside, we have got the issue of plagiarism. It's very easy for students to, to bash out an essay very quickly using a, a bit of AI. Um, and there's an argument there for are we de-skilling pupils and staff if we allow artificial intelligence to do work for them? It's really challenging to police this area. Um, and I think that any school who um, is making great strides in this area should be sharing their, their knowledge and their understanding and their, their um, progress in this area for the benefit of all. Andy, what's your experience? in the classroom i think i'm going to sound really negative about it um because there's probably so many amazing things it could do but as somebody that works full-time in a school it makes my heart sink a bit be just because it's another um as Lauren said another thing to police you know uh, we've seen the amount of problems that mobile phones cause in schools we see the amount of problems that social media causes in schools it's another use of technology that I think is going to become very time consuming um, for staff to manage that appropriately in school, in the community. Um, you know, Lana talked about that there's certainly some ways that AI could be used to support teacher workloads. So I think that would be really interesting to look at. Um, in terms of the generative AI with supporting with lesson planning, I think that's an interesting one. I've read some really interesting um, research and studies about how that might save teachers time but wouldn't necessarily improve teacher well-being because actually often for teachers lesson planning is is the bit that they enjoy they you know they they're passionate about their subjects and their subject knowledge um, and they enjoy using their expertise to plan lessons it's often more the time that goes into administrative tasks or managing behavior that are the tasks that teacher what teachers want to get rid of rather than outsourcing their lesson planning to AI. So it's definitely going to be one to watch, um, one that I'm sure will become much more embedded in schools and we'll need to be quite responsive to that in 2024. Um, but at the moment where I stand with it is a bit of a heart sink rather than an excitement, but we'll see. Maybe that'll change through the next year. You want to watch, I think, Andy and Lorna. Yeah, let, let's see whether there's some new AI invented to stop the AI plagiarism pieces. And, and uh, yeah, hopefully there'll be further developments to help us sort of, as you say, police the, the situation. Thank you so much to both our guests, Lorna and Andy, today for their reflections on 2023. There's certainly lots to look back on. And join us next time in 2024, which I can't believe I'm saying that, where we look at predictions and emerging trends for the education sector for 2024. 
And I would like to take the opportunity to thank all our After the Bell podcast listeners. We personally have hit a landmark this year ourselves with over 3,000 listeners. So we're delighted and we hope we find this useful and we're going to continue with our regular podcasts. As we wrap up 2023, let's celebrate the spirit of learning and growth. Wishing you a wonderful holiday season filled with warm laughter and moments of reflection. And may the coming year bring continued inspiration, curiosity and educational success. Happy holidays, everybody, and looking forward to a bright new year to all of our listeners. Take care. Thank you.